0: Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. I'm your host, Eve's The Cannon Sannon, and my heterosexual life mate, my co host, is on assignment again. He is interviewing Miss Rachel J. Cushing of GetRealWithRachel.com. Now, she Um, Reviews movies. Um, She's actually did uh, a couple of newer movies right now as we speak. She's um, reviewed Pitch Perfect 2, Age of Ultron. Um, You can check her out. Her website is getrealwithrachel.com. This is a brief intro. Um, He's on assignment. This is the actual episode. She will be interviewing her. I just want to let you know before I decide to leave, we are on Stitcher. And we are on Podbeam. Now, if you go on those two platforms, Stitcher.com, Podbeam.com, just type in The Atomic Podcast, and we will pop up. Our old episodes, our new episodes, they will pop up on there. You can take a listen. Also, we are still on SoundCloud. SoundCloud is our main base. We will be on iTunes as of right now. There's not a tentative date, but I will get back to you. Also, we are also getting a youtube page i was just wanted to let you guys know also so you can actually visually see us sooner than you think our episodes for now on will be on youtube but we are still on all the other platforms which is stitcher PodBeam, and soundcloud again our email is the atomic podcast 22 at gmail our twitter is da atomic podcast you could just look us up we are everywhere on the internet. You cannot, we are very easy to find. So, then again, let me get on with this interview. Ethan Guzman, interview with Rachel J. Cushing. This is the Atomic Podcast. You are now in the mix with the Atomic Podcast, where we up the news.
1: Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast Where we come to you live from the Upper West Side, New York City Where we blow up the news on a verbal scale My name is Efren Guzman And today co-hosting with me today Is Rachel J. Cushing from Get Real with Rachel Movie Reviews How did I say that? Did I say it like a game show host? That works for me <laughs> How you doing Rachel? I'm good, thanks for having me on the channel no, nah, not a problem, not a problem. If people don't know who you are, tell people what do you do.
2: Um, well, as Ethan said, my name is Rachel J. Cushing. I currently live in Los Angeles, but I was born and raised in New England. Yeah. Um, I work in post-production in the film television industry, but my passion is watching movies and talking about them. So about a year ago, I started my own website, as Ethan said, get real to... And it's just kind of sparked a, a, another side thing for me. I love watching movies, I love talking about them. Now I'm writing about them, and um, it's sparked a lot of the new conversation and meeting new people, and it's been a great experience. And, um, you know, excited
1: to, to continue with it. Um, is there any recent reviews that people can hear of um, any movies that recently came out?
2: Oh yeah, I definitely try to keep up as much as I can. I'm lucky I can get to some screenings since I live in LA. Um, but uh, I just see both Pitch Perfect two and Mad Max Free Road this past weekend, and Mad Max for the win by far. Uh, but <laughs> it's really awesome that two women two women fueled movies uh, came out and both did so well. So um, yeah, I have reviews up on my website. So independent film that came out in the last couple of weeks or last month so yeah if you guys are interested in checking out my take on movie reviewing uh, check out the uh, website I'd appreciate it I I saw Age of Ultron
1: what was your I would love to hear your opinion what was your take on Age of Ultron
2: I actually really enjoyed it it's funny because um, you know we have the mutual friends that are into movie reviewing as well, and they get to see some of the early press screenings. I don't, uh, I get to do that. So, they were coming out with not the highest, um, reviews. Most people were saying I like the first one better. So when I went in on opening night, I had maybe slightly lowered expectations, and I came out loving it. So I don't know if it was so much the lowered expectations, or if I would have loved it anyway. I'd like to think I would have loved it anyway, but I thought it was a great Cool to the third Avengers, I thought that everybody's stories got forwarded. You know, Ultron was a good villain, still not a great one. Loki is a great villain in this universe, but yeah, but very solid. And James Bader, you know, you can't go wrong there. I loved the new additions. I thought the twins were great. I thought Vision was fantastic. I'm really excited to see him in future movies. I thought the action was up you know, even more as a cinematography, the way that it looked. I thought it was just a lot of fun, exactly what I want from, you know, a Marvel a Cinematic Universe movie. And it basically just made me really excited about what comes next, which is pretty much the war. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely I gave it quite a high
1: grade. Yeah, it was. I, I, in my opinion, I thought it was definitely a great movie too. Um, it's like comparing the first one to that one is like apples and oranges. But I think you see more of the cohesive team in um this this movie because everyone, even though they gelled in the first movie, you can see like almost like there were really like friends even out of their costumes, even like, I think to me the best part of the movie was them hanging out in street clothes in, in, in the whole um, Stark Tower, I think, you know, having all them together, I thought that pretty much was the, like, the best part of the movie, just seeing them, everybody interact with each other was pretty cool, and then comparing girlfriends and everything, you know, Jane Foster to Pepper Potts, you know, that was just pretty cool, like the guys try to one-up each other, but um, I think, you know, they still have problems with the villain department, Loki so far is like probably the best villain hands down, you know, Ultron was basically a robot Tony Stark gone mad, you know, which was pretty cool, but um, I don't know, I'm just looking forward for Marvel in the future, though, I think they're going to do good movies. Yeah, I
2: really liked it a lot, and I think that just, we can put his stamp on it, because what he's so good at is characters, and for him to juggle that many characters that well, I think it's just incredibly impressive, and made the movie really stand out to me, like I, I felt for them, and their stories, and their interactions, and That, to me, you know, is a huge part of why these movies work is these characters coming to life on the screen, which, you know, frankly, 10 years ago, I think a lot of people didn't think would be possible with comic book characters to translate that way. And they have. The MCU has proven that they can do it incredibly well. And I thought Agent Ultron just, you know, proved it once again.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you before I get into like Marvel and DC and everything. Um, um, you know, I I recently saw Pitch Perfect two. I thought it was a great movie, and I was shocked that it beat um Mad Max in the box office. Um, what do you think? What's your opinion on like why did you think Pitch Perfect two beat Mad Max, even though they're two different movies? But what what do you think people just wanted to see a musical movie more than they did an action movie, or what's your take on that?
2: I know the audience is broader for something like Pitch Perfect Two, you know, it's rated PG PG thirteen possibly. So I mean right there you have an entire crowd of view, movie viewers that won't be going to see Mad Max, you know, the, the pre teens and the inter teens and whatnot. Um, also pitch perfect one was such a sleeper hit, like it just nobody saw it coming and it exploded. And so the anticipation for the sequel just a couple of years later was huge, and all the people that remember the first one, you know, were, were um, waiting in lines to, to see this one, whereas Mad Max, I and mean, the last movie was, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. I think there was a lot of, we don't know about this, and it's a little bit more of a niche kind of a movie. It's, it's hard to describe, and that's what jury
1: I just found it kind of similar to the first one. Almost like not like the hangover like effect where like the hangover one and the hangover two were pretty much like the same movie but hailey stanfield's coming in as also almost like taking the place of anna kendrick and then the whole legacy thing it, it, it was pretty cool but i don't know like I, i'm surprised because this movie to me you know elizabeth banks directed the second one and, and you know it made a ton of money but um i'm surprised a movie like this like I'm, i i was i was scared i was gonna have like the bring it on phase where it's gonna go straight to dvd or something or straight to um you know dvd or on-demand sequels um you think if they keep you know shelling out sequels depending on it you think it'll, it'll still be in the movie theaters or depending on like i don't like i don't know like because you know bring it on the first one was in theaters and the second and third one and the fourth one went straight to dvd you think the quality is just going to get right. better um i think
2: I'm not, i don't know off the top of my head how big a financial success bring it on was i know that it something of a cult movie now, but I don't know that when it was in theaters, it warranted a second in-theater movie, whereas Pitch Perfect pretty much came out of nowhere and made so much more money than anybody anticipated and garnered such attention that the studio threw everything it had at creating the sequel. And now that the sequel had such a huge opening this weekend and stands to continue to do well um, as kind of programming to some of the things that are coming up, there, I think, is a very good chance that a third movie would make it into theater Um, and just because of the the immense, not just the immense popularity of people talking about it and loving it, but paying to go see it and making money. I think money is the the kind of key in that one. I don't necessarily believe that the original one made so much money in the theater to warrant um, doing a second one or third one uh, for the theater.
1: Sure, I, I think you're right. I, I, like I don't really have like the facts and numbers ahead of me, but you know times were different then. But I think yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think it did that much, as much as pit, you know, Pitch Perfect the first one. You're definitely right about that. Um, did you manage to catch you know getting into what we we're going to talk about like the whole DC and Marvel aspect? Did you see the Flash finale? Yes, I
2: did last night. Um, the Flash is actually one of the very television shows that I make sure. I watch the night of, I mean, in this era a DVR, and
0: I'll be on the board
2: and watch the weekend, um, and most of the time I don't necessarily watch the same night, but the two shows that I do are Game of Thrones and The Flash, so I was very excited to watch it last night, and boy, did it deliver, I thought it was a perfect finale to a really great first season.
1: Yeah, like you know, like you know, I had my apprehensions like watching the first episode. All right, like you know, at first when I first seen the first episode of Flash, I'm like, all right, they're making it like Spider-Man now. You know, like where you know he's talking to the audience and it's basically almost like the whole Peter Parker spiel in the first Sony Toby Maguire Spider-Man. You know, but it makes it relatable because you know he's like an ordinary guy, you know, who gets these powers and it's almost like you know you're rooting for him and you know the first season I thought. You know, I'm going on for the whole, from the first episode all the way on, you know, like you really get to know the character of Barry. If you're not familiar with Barry, you get to know his, you know, the family. You get to, you know, get to know his friends and, you know, the whole dynamic where, you know, he's a superhero, but, you know, he's just. Coming, you know, owning his powers is coming to his own, and you know the whole friendship and aspect of the whole Flash from episode to episode. You know, the villain of the week, but you know you learn more about him. You know more about the father, and you know um Joe West and Iris West. You get to know like the family dynamic. Um, as as the as the season as a whole, how did you you know rate it from like the first episode all the way to now to the last season finale? How did you? How? What did you? Was what's your take on it? It was
2: actually really impressive to me. Um, I think that we're living in an era where television, the cable shows, are sort of outstripping the network shows.
1: Yeah.
2: In, in a lot of ways, because they can break a lot of rules that network shows can't, but also because they don't have twenty-two episode seasons or twenty-four episode seasons, and you can deal a little bit more with a little bit less. I guess is my point. Feeling like you're treading water at times. And I wouldn't say that the flash was 100%.
1: Definitely, definitely. And um, as comparing that to, let's say, uh, like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, their season finale and their season this season, uh, do you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by, the, by chance?
2: Yep, I do. Um, I, I have gone back and forth with liking and not liking that show. I think that most people did the first season. You know, nobody, it just is off to a very lucky start. It was potential, though, a lot of potential. Yeah. And, and you really can't go wrong with you know, whether or not you like that they brought Colton back from the dead, he is the heart of the team, and it made sense, and it worked for the show ultimately. I think that the, the tie-in with The Winter Soldier and The Fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. was huge for the show. I think it realigned what it was doing in a great way, um, uh, making uh, Grant Ward uh, a villain instead of a hero. I thought it was fantastic. That actor really started to shine when he got to be bad, which is great. And this season, you know, still some rocky pieces to it, but still generally enjoyable. And with some good characters that I cared about, though so I'm invested with. Um, and I, you know, think that it was very smart of the Marvel team to use the show to really um, get us into the whole Inhumans idea. Because that movie is the last one on the MCU slate, it's not coming out for like, another five years or so but we're getting a taste of what it could be now in introducing these characters and I think that that's really smart and interesting and so yeah I- I'm a fan of the show we'll definitely continue watching now that it's going to be brought back to
1: uh, speaking of this, cause we're talking. Our topic is really Marvel and DC. So let's just get that. Let's get right to it. Um, with um, agents of Shield and the Flash. Well, the Flash basically has nothing to do with the DC cinematic universe. It's basically its own TV universe. So the TV and the movie universe won't affect each other. As opposed to Marvel, whatever Marvel shows are on Netflix or like the ABC shows, they're all in the same universe. Do you feel? Is it? Good that it's like that, or is it bad? What's the what's the good and the what's the pros and the cons between having um, a show connected to the TV and not connected to the TV?
2: The well, the MCU has done a really great job with it so far, so I don't hate it. It's okay. very interesting that the, the, the both Daredevil and um, Agents of Shield, and to a lesser extent, um, Agent Carter, as well is all a part of it. So there's I like the idea of world building and the small connections that can be made and the domino effect of what happens when one happens in something else. It makes it daunting though, because if you there's this feeling that if you don't watch all aspects of it then maybe you're gonna miss out on a piece of it. but I think it's hard, you know, for everybody across the country and across the world to catch every episode and every movie of all of this stuff. That's, it's a lot to consume, and I, I wouldn't want people to feel left out. So I sort of understand DC deciding to do it the other way, you know, and let people pick and choose the aspects they want to watch and not feel like they have to. And I'm not saying you do have to with the MCU, but it does, there's this nagging feeling that if you don't, then maybe you should be. What are you missing?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, to, to the, you know, to going on that, it's it's pros and cons for both because you know, um, when the movies comes out, what like every two years, depending on what movie it is, you know, you have it on TV, so it's almost like. Agents of of S.H.I.E.L.D. is like a sequel to every movie because it's still set in the same universe. You know, you'll hear a mention of Tony there or the Avengers this or something that. And, you know, having like um, Maria Hill coming back on Colby Smulders to the show gives it like an instant connection. Or having Nick Fury make those, you know, guest appearances was pretty cool too. And, you know, sure. I think they, in certain episodes they mentioned Abomination, I believe. Um, it's, it's pretty cool, too, but uh, it's also, like, in my opinion, a detriment because, you know, you're talking about all these big stars and, you know, people who... You know, I can't believe none of them know that Coulson is still alive, When you know. It, 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 it's like that's the only thing that I find, like, ridiculous. Like, you know, you figure... Fury would tell them already, like, look, Colson's alive, and then, you know, you're going to basically, you know, I, uh, I'm i thinking Colson might make an appearance in Civil War, I don't know, but it's just, like, a lot of things, like, you can't, it's like, you can't really introduce anybody until, you know, you only can introduce, like, the minor characters, and not major characters, because they're going to save the major characters for the movie, and then, when you, yeah. And when you look at DC, you know, you have the Flash, you have Arrow, but I, I don't know. There's a restrictions you can't use Batman or Superman to make appearances on their show. I don't know what's the whole legal thing about that, the legal mumbo jumbo. You can have a Supergirl, but you can't introduce Superman in her show because they're doing a Superman movie. So I don't really know like the whole like um, mumbo jumbo about that. But um, in a way, it's cool because they could come up with their own storylines. You know, you don't have to have any restrictions because it doesn't affect their movie universe so whatever happens in batman versus superman doesn't affect the tv and they could do their own storylines but it's just so convoluted like what do you think like what's your take on that like like do you know like the whole like why is it that they can't use batman or superman or anything like that is because they're going to do movies with them like what do you know anything about that
2: I, i don't know any of the specifics just you know generally what the industry talk is and you know i think that They're trying to keep them separate, so that the different kinds of viewers will get the different kinds of stories. I mean, what works on TV doesn't necessarily work in the movies, and vice versa. So I can understand that, but just like all of these movies, I mean, these look.
1: the whole thing though I'm not even sure about that since it's CBS I don't I'm saying even though it's the same guy um I'm not sure if I'm saying that anything is possible but I don't know if it's because there's CW and CBS will they be able to at crossovers like that definitely though when Legends of Tomorrow comes out they'll definitely be um you know, episodes from Arrow to Flash that leads into Legends of Tomorrow, which is phenomenal, but I feel bad for those actors because they'll be working extra hard doing, like, three different shows if they do, you know, definitely they're going to have crossovers, so it's going to be a lot of, uh, a, a, a lot of legwork for those actors. Um, What's your, um? did you see the um Legends of Tomorrow trailer? And if you did, what did you think about that nice sizzle reel?
2: I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it because it, went. I like about the idea of, you know, DC's just kicking ass on TV, you know, Arrow and The Flash have just been phenomenal, and oh, Legends of Tomorrow looks like them stepping up their game even more. And, you know, it might not work, but I, I like sort of the, the bravado of doing so, you know, so taking what they've learned, because it's all the same creators, um, as Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlanti, I believe. So they, you know, are taking what's worked with these two other shows and upping the ante with this next one. So the team looks bigger, there's more superheroes, um, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, for the fact that Arthur Darvill is going to be um, mm. on the show it's fantastic. Like that's just exciting to me. I love using some of the bit players from the other two shows and bringing them uh, onto this this new one. I think it's very smart that they're, they're built an audience and thing going for them, and um, yeah, I, I like the scope, I like the scale, I like that they're starting to think a little bit bigger, and even, dare I say, slightly more cinematic for their television universe, so I think that they have tons of built-in fans, myself included, that are absolutely excited to check it out, and you know, they can do a lot with TV these days, I mean, the effects in, in the Flash finale were fantastic, So, and what well, I found this as a looked great too. you're getting even bigger and bolder,
1: and, and it could be really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so too. Um, I just think like you know, especially I think this this also breathes new life into Brandon Ralph's career because I haven't seen him since Dylan Dog, and I think he, you know, Ray Palmer is like a Tony Stark in that role. But I think you know he definitely. Made me a fan of the Adam now because you know, I wasn't you know Adam was basically I just seen him in the Super Friends and I didn't really think much of him like his powers is, is right. to shrink okay and what else you know but you know just having having a human live person instead of seeing the cartoon as Ray Palmer was and especially his mannerisms his characterization I thought it was phenomenal I and mean, you know he be I you know I just became a fan over watching the Adam now you know and just seeing him and um, Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell you know, from Prison Break as um, Heat Wave and Captain Cold I think it's phenomenal, and you know, every time I seen him in The Flash, I'm like, damn, these guys need to be on more episodes because every, you know, when you see Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold, you know his presence alone like, he could, he could carry the show and you, could, you know, you, you already know that this guy is mainstream, and you know I just, I, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with like, the, I, I just don't know how the heroes and villains are going to come together. I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how that happens, but um, especially with Hawkgirl in this now, and the whole Ebor um, mm-hmm. um, Thawne and Harrison Wells, there's, there's so much going on in DC. I just can't wait to see how the story transpires. Yeah,
2: definitely. They, they, they have a lot to juggle, but, you know, they've succeeded this far, and I like that they're being bold, and, you know, are going to take the next step up with doing this sort of team aspect, with a, threat, in the villains, and and everything else, so, um, I I, I just think that they're rolling things out in the exact right way with this universe, um, and, you know,
1: definitely, like I said, very excited about it. Yeah. Um, what did you think about, um, Agent Carter, the first season?
2: Um, super excited that it's coming back. Agent Carter, it's, it was a little more dense, story-wise, than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and some of the DC shows, Mm -hmm. but, much like Grant Gustin for me as The Flash Phoebe Atwell is just phenomenal yes. she just pops off the screen she's relatable but she kicks ass she's just such an interesting actress and, and I am just immediately invested in her I thought she was great in Captain America The First Avenger, and I love that they decided to do a period show and surround it Um, love, love, love Jarvis and, you know, the guys at the precinct and it just, it was a different feel for a Marvel show and I know it didn't, you know, get fantastic ratings, but I'm glad that Marvel and
1: Yeah, so I so far it's good. Um, I love Dottie on that show. I thought she was great. Um, Hallie Atwell, you know, she just... Hallie Atwell comes in the screen. She just lights up lights up the screen. Her big infectious smile and, you know, her accent, everything. Everything her. You know, she's a, f- a female James Bond. Like, and she's tough, you know. She's not the... You know, I, what I love about it is, you know, they have strong female characters. She's not the damsel in distress that needs help from a man. You know, she, she's... know she's just an army of one and you know she's tough she can handle herself and you know she's vulnerable and her losing steve rogers you know that definitely had an impact on her and she just tried to you know even though they weren't in a relationship or anything like that but you know she really felt for him you know and you know i think that made her the woman who she ended up becoming to be and you know i'm looking forward for season two um i'm not sure if um I forgot the actor's name at the moment, but um, um the Howard Stark character. I wonder if he's going to be in a movie because I think he's in the show Preacher. So I'm I'm not sure if he's coming back, but I definitely would love to see him back because I thought he was excellent. Do you? I forgot, yeah, I'm, Dominic Cooper. Yes, yeah, I yes,
2: think yes. That he, he, yeah, he's, he's he's. It's so interesting to see you know the, a character um, that we know is Tony Stark's father being played by a different actor and the mannerisms and how those two actors yes. sort of worked off of it. And I think is not, um, but yeah, you know, it, it all depends on you know the different the, the, the studios um, it, who's creating the, the new show Preacher, versus this one. I mean, they, the one thing about Agent Carter is it's not um, a fall show, so there's still you know certainly room in the schedule. But it'll be whether or not you know a deal can be made between the studios for that. Um, but I certainly hope so because he, he brings like a real nice spark and a fun you know, energy when he popped up last
1: season and when he was in uh, the first adventure as well. Yeah. Oh, and also, I, oh, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Um, Did you see the whole season of Daredevil? And if you did, what did you think? Oh, yes.
2: It over I <laughs> yes. two days. I think I watched six episodes in a row, followed by seven episodes in a row. Um, <laughs> I think I did it, the same thing, was, too. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. It was just Proof that Marvel is not a one-trick pony, which I think a lot of people are are slightly worried about. You know, they do one thing great, which is this sort of, you know, more of a fun, energetic, brighter version of a comic book movie, say compared to something that Nolan did with the Dark Knight Trilogy. And so it was great to see drew goddard and co come in with daredevil and take the marvel universe and do something really dark and gritty and interesting and grounded and um but perfect 13 episodes was perfect because it gave such a great arc to on every character and not to mention the second best film is that marvel has produced so far with wilson fisk yeah. and i know that that a little unfair to compare him to the movie villains because movies are two, two and a half hours long and they got 13 episodes, but they did it right over those 13 episodes and he was just such a multi-layered, interesting, crazy, but somewhat understandable villain and um, the, the build up for that was just, it was top notch and again, acting and Marvel just knocked it out of the park in their shows and in their movies all across the show and it just opened up another avenue for them and they're going to continue with, you know, Jessica Jones and Cage and, um, and I insist and, Chris, and it's, it's just another avenue that they're they're doing right and it's just impressive, incredibly impressive to me. But yes, yeah, highly recommend Daredevil to anybody that really likes sort of the down and gritty aspect of superhero television or movies, but also it still maintains the fact that it's a superhero movie or show and it's, has um, got that, still has the humor, still has the punch and the action and all of that, but it, you know, brings something new that we hadn't seen in a Marvel uh, movie or TV show yet. So, it's amazing.
1: Yeah I know I thought um um Vincent D'Onofrio was excellent I mean excellent like everything he does like it's golden like you know he he was amazing Charlie Cox and um um Elden Henson they were all great in that in that show Charlie Cox like he surprised me I was like this guy looks more like a Peter Parker than a Matt Murdock but then seeing him that it took all those you know I was like looking at him I was like that, hey, he could have been a good Peter Parker but seeing him act as you know Matt Murdock you know the only interpretation i had of him was rex um rex smith from the um tv version of matt murdoch and you know the cartoons the cartoon of matt murdoch but um i just i just fell in love with him just you know his acting and you know his historicness and you know he he looked he played the part excellently and um the girl from um true blood oh my god her name just slips my mind
0: uh Yeah, Deborah Ann Wall,
1: yes. She had that perfect, you know, vulnerabilism, and then, you know, there's there's a darkness to her. Like, the way she, you know, portrayed her character, there's such a darkness to her. You know, there's a huge backstory to her when they get down to Season 2 that it's going to be so good, but, um... Everybody every, everybody in the cast was great. I have no complaints about it. The only complaint about it that it finished too fast. That's the only thing about um, Netflix. The binge-watching is just so addicting. It's like, you know, you want to watch one and you want to savor it, but it's like you watch one and you know you have all the 12 other episodes there. You want to watch it all back to back to back to back. So that's the only thing. That's the only gripe about it. I'm just, you know, I love Orange is the New Black too. and then watching that back to back to back, then you're pretty much done. But I think... Um, Netflix with Daredevil, I think, is the it's it's basically the way Iron Man started off for the movie universe. Netflix and um, Daredevil is the kickoff for you know Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage. I think it's gonna I think it's just gonna be a, a domino effect. They're all gonna be excellent excellent shows. Yeah,
2: it's it's very smart for Marvel to realize that there are other avenues to go down and to try a different tone but still live within the universe. And I love the very, very slight allusions to, you know, the fact that the events of the Avengers are what affected what happened to Hell's Kitchen and therefore kick-started the story. Like, it's connected, but it's its own thing, and it works as its own thing. And that just makes it that much more intriguing. You know, it's not the same as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Carter or the movies, it's its own beast, and, you know, Marvel's just continuing to realize that they can do a variety of things within this universe and do them all well and still have them all connected, at least in some small way, Um, and it just, I think it it, it blew me out of the water. I wasn't expecting what we got, and I think that that's really high praise, to be honest. Yeah, I i
1: not like... You know, like, I I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting a good show, but, you know, people were griping about the costume. Like, how are you going to gripe about the costume? That costume looked phenomenal. Just because they don't have the double D on the chest, it was still great, you know? Like, uh, to me, Ben Affleck's costume looks more like a sadomasochist costume as compared to the Daredevil of Charlie Cox. Like, his costume was phenomenal. What did did you think about the costume? I thought it was great. I
2: liked the evolution of it. You know, I think that, again, Matt Murdock and Daredevil is not, Or it's not Captain America, he doesn't have the superpowers, he's closer to being the everyday guy than he is to them, so, you know, what would an everyday guy get for his costume? He would just buy all black, and he would go out and do his thing, and it's this evolution to the ultimate reveal of the costume, and I loved that being used as part of the story over the course of the season, and then the costume itself seems very appropriate to me, and like, You know, I I read some comics when I was a kid, not a ton, because mostly an X-Men girl, to be honest. And, (laughs) you know, know, uh, it's similar to that in my mind, that, like, I can separate the comic books from the movies and realize that costumes in the comic books aren't necessarily going to work on the screen. And what's important to me is that you get the feel, the tone. When I see it, I want to understand... What the origin was, you know, the source material, but it's okay for you to translate it to the screen, in my opinion. So, you know, in the X Men movies, Wolverine's we'll not running around in, in bright yellow, and that's okay, you know? He you makes like an off color joke about it in the first movie, and that's good enough for me. Like, but you got Wolverine right. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to wear yellow to get him right, and Murdoch doesn't have to have the exact costume you had in your favorite, you know, run of Daredevil comics, as long as it has the feel and the tone and... The, the idea of it so that it's reminiscent to fans of the comic. I think that's what these creators' job is, is to translate the comics to the screen. And, you know, uh, like I said, i put a handful of Daredevil double, double comics, not a ton, but I felt the translation worked
1: yeah, like, you know, there's a lot of people I don't even, like, I, I argue about this with my co-host sometimes, where he says, you know it has to be like the comics, it has to be like the comics I was like, well, if, if it has to be like the comics, think about it, Wolverine's costume will be spandex, you know it'll have a red belt, blue like, blue underwears with, you know, with the blue boots and then, like, the, you know, the the, um, the tiger stripes, you know, it'll be so different, you know even though there's certain there's certain costumes, like, you know, there's tweaks to it, but you know overall it's the same. like the superman costume to me the first time where they made it all blue instead of the red underwears on the outside was like the first time they you know kind of deviated from it but it's basically the core is the same thing the same logo s the same red cape same blue outfit but you know they, they you know they just tweak it but you know basically it's the same thing and batman different costume the joker you know they have to change it for the movies you know like um right you know, like, um, Jack Nicholson was more along, like, the, almost like the Caesar Romero type, but it's more also, like, from the cartoon, but, you know, s- you know, certain things you, you, you definitely have to change, though, you have to change for, you know, the, the movies, like, if they ever do, uh, Mr. Mixoplex in Superman, I doubt that he's gonna have the orange jumpsuit with the purple little top hat, I'm sure that won't happen, <laughs> you know, but, um, oh, well, I'm sorry, what happened, you said, Rachel, I didn't hear you. Yep, okay. All right. Um. Uh, also, um, the Supergirl trailer came out too. Um, I thought it looked really cute. It, it um, like, cute is a wrong word. Um, I want to say cute. It looked, it looked almost like 90210, 90210ish, kinda. You know, like I, th- I think you know. I thought the Flash looked like that at first until I actually seen it. But, you know, I guess you know they're they're just showing you how. She's trying to do, like, that clumsy Clark Kent type thing, like, you know, um, oh, hi, oh, oh sorry, you know, and, I don't know, they, I think they're trying to make it, like, kind of, like, a feel-good-ish, you know, like, you know, I think we got a trailer, but we didn't really hadn't a, got a, like, a, a trailer where you could, like, see her display her true powers, like, what's your take on the trailer? Yeah, my
2: first reaction wasn't good, yeah. um, okay. I can't take credit for this, but I did. Um, see on social media, a couple of people equate it to sort of like a Devil Wears Prada thing. Yeah, yeah And yeah, yeah. that's the feel I got to, like, trying to turn a comic book show into a romantic comedy show. Yeah. And I-, I thought about it some more. And the thing is, I get the angle. You know, it's T B S, This isn't the CW. This isn't ABC. They, you know, are, are skewed to a different audience. And... Part of me kind of understands taking okay, what's the hot commodity right now—superhero movies and TV and shows. Well, how do we do something different with one? What's the tone? What's the know, The genre?
1: reminiscent of the birds of Prey, i remember. i don't know if you remember that show when it was on channel Eleven which was like the, the um on um, batman's daughter did you did you see that show It was only on for i think thirteen episodes it was on, but it was sort of like yeah, rem- I think that's right over. Yeah, it was sort of reminiscent like that, but you know, it's only a trailer. Like you know, like you said, I'm sure I'll raise judgment once I see the first episode. But I'm, i I thought the costume was phenomenal. I just like the whole different where it doesn't have the, the 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 S is not yellow and it's just like a, a darker tone to it. And you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Or I'm just I'm I'm, I'm just curious, or, or if Superman's gonna be in it, or are they gonna hint at an actor being Superman in it. Like if you're having a Supergirl movie and not have like superman christen her almost like it's just like okay they're in the same universe i don't even know i'm not familiar with supergirl so i don't know if she's in metropolis or anything like that but it's just kind of not believable if you know clark superman does not show up at least one episode you know that's that's the thing that you know it's gonna bother me like you know he's got to show up at least one time to you know help his cousin out or something
2: yeah, the, the the trailer sort of alluded to some crossover, like Jimmy Olsen is going to be in yeah. the show, or at least is for a piece of it, and talks about Carol, and and you know that kind of thing. So I don't know. I feel like they'll find their way around that as best as they can within the rules, the, the contract negotiations, the various things that they have to deal with to work with that. And I should also say that, like you know, yay for. A, a TV comic book show featuring a female, yes, you know, yes. superhero like that—that that really should have been set up. But you know, I, you know, there's certain ones, you know, with, with Black Canary and you know, Black Mary coming up and meeting Tomorrow, and and you know, where Caitlin will be eventually, hopefully going in, you know, The Flash and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you know, we definitely want more female superheroes as more central characters in these shows as in the movies so you know good for CBS the expert for certainly for that aspect of it um, so even if it, it doesn't end up being you know personally my favorite you know there's going to be a lot of women out there
1: Um, what do you think about, um, the, uh, the spinoff for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not getting picked up with Bobby and last, um, Lance Hunter, what do you think about that not getting picked up?
2: I'm actually okay with it, mostly because I really want them to remain in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I don't know for sure if they're going to or not, it it was sort of left open-ended with the season finale, but I really like their addition to the, this season, and, would prefer to have them be part of the core team and everything going on in that series than going off on that on their own. Personally, you know, I'm sure that their own series would have been fine, but I would have missed them on uh, Agents of Shield. So I'm kind of actually glad that hopefully that they'll be speaking with that show.
1: Yeah, same here. Same here. So, um, b- besides you know, b- besides the, the discussing the Marvel DC, um, who do you think is ahead, and why do you think is ahead? Um, let me just start first. Um, so far Marvel is definitely ahead. Um, DC. I I want DC to pull through because you know whoever wins is the fans. We all win. But um, I don't know. There, I've I've always been a fan of Superman and Batman, but um. You know, I've I always been a fan of Spider-Man. Um, being introduced to Spider-Man as an amazing friends when I was a child, watching it on NBC, then watching the Super Friends on Channel 11. Um, I don't know, I think I related more to Marvel because it was basically, I lived in... You know, I lived in Manhattan, I lived in Queens and Spider Man was like from Queens, you know. Instead of a fictional city like Metropolis or Central City or something like that. It was almost like these heroes are real because they they live in the real world per se as as opposed to Batman who was from Gotham City, which is sort of a take of like a New York slash Chicago or however city you interpret it. But um I think Marvel's been doing great with their with with their movie world. Um, the animation for Marvel, I'm not really a fan of their animation. As DC's animation, to me, is phenomenal. Their animation has been on point. Marvel's animation is not that great. Um, the shows are pretty good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really needs a lot of work. But, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, I think with, with the, the, the thing about... You know the ratings go up when they have a movie crossover thing that's coming up, but I think Agents of Shield really needs to find his own identity. Like they, I think they've been doing that because they introduced the Inhumans, they introduce you know the whole Hydra thing. I thought Edward James almost role was pretty good, but I thought you know he, he had a weak payoff. You know, you know, getting him off the show. But um, I don't know, I, and um. I think, I think Marvel has the upper upper head, but um, DC, with the t- television world, is excellent. The Flash is excellent. Arrow is excellent. Legends of Tomorrow, I think, is going to be excellent. Uh, just from that little sizzle trailer alone, I think it's going to be good. It's just the movies I'm worried about. Man of Steel was good. It was a good movie. Um, people were mad at the casualties about it, but I think... I, I, like I was telling my friend this, if, if superheroes were to fight in real life, I think the destruction of even the Avengers, the, destruct- the destruction of what happened in Metropolis, what actually happened, buildings will fall, people will be upset, you know, um, Superman just got his powers, he's not worried about saving lives, he's just trying to get rid of this guy, you know, you know, he's just, he's just became Superman at the end of the movie, so, you know, you know, truth, justice, and the American way is out the window, he's just trying to, like, stop this um, Zod from going crazy, but, um... Yeah, but, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to both of them. Um, What what do you think? What's your take on the Marvel-DC thing?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little unfair to say one is winning and one is losing because they're okay. so very different from each other and at very different places, you know, with their universes. I mean, without a doubt, Marvel has a huge head start. And, you know, their risk was Iron Man and then, you know, Thor and Captain America, and then their biggest risk was Avengers, and it then it paid off, and then everything has stemmed from that, and they have figured it out. DC mm-hmm. is still about to take their risk, and their could pay off. We don't know yet, you know. I liked and loved Man of Steel. I think that there is a ton of potential. I'm, my biggest worry is I don't necessarily know if Zack Snyder is the guy to embrace that potential and turn it into something as phenomenal as what the MCU is, but the jury's still out. I still have an open mind about Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, so, you know, they they have all of the potential and ability to crack this and do an amazing universe as well, and until they get going with that, it's hard to compare the two and say, you know, it's just sort of obvious that Marvel is winning, but not because because they're, but because they're ahead, and in the television side, yeah, I do think that DC, I guess you could say, if we're going to have to pick one or the other for winning, it would be DC. But Marvel is trying a larger variety of things, yeah. Especially with this whole Netflix Daredevil route, like they have their kind of typical MCU shows with Shield and um, Agent Carter, and they're trying into the universe, but. With the advent of this whole side, you know, um, Avenue, Daredevil, Jessica Jones and I assist and all of that, they've proven that there's other ways to go and that they are just as good at going down that road. So they are showing their abilities with that. And DC hopefully will too with Supergirl and, you know, the continuation of their adult talk about Gotham, which oh my is god. also in the DC
1: yeah. TV universe. Yes, I, oh my god, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh my god, totally forgot about Gotham. It's, you
2: know, but it's, it's, it's another avenue, it's a, it's a completely set of, uh, different set of people, with Bruno Heller, I believe, is the showrunner, and yes. Fox, and it's, I actually think, probably the most problematic of all the comic book TV shows, but like the rest of them, has a really bright spots within it and now that it's been picked up for another season it might be able to course correct itself you know, is, without certain characters that, you know, aren't coming back, which is a good thing and other characters hopefully taking more of a, a forefront role so there's, you know, an interesting take there too because tonally and visually that's a very different DC kind of show, so they are also trying to, you know, find different avenues to go down, the most popular and successful being the CW mold, but, you know, we'll see what CBS has to do with Supergirl and see what, you know, Fox has to do with continuing Gotham, so, you know, there may be a little more on par between DC and Marvel and the television universe. You know, they both got their hits and misses, if you will, and I guess I would give the edge to DC, but um, I just like that both are continuing to push the boundaries and try new things with it. And um, like you said, we're all winners for both. I grew up more on Marvel than I did on DC, and I just sort of have a a, a deeper affinity to those characters, but that doesn't mean I don't love and appreciate what DC has to offer and I'm very excited about it. I mean, I'm just, I'm scared but thrilled that they're making a Wonder Woman movie, finally. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I have every hope that it will be and that it'll be that that big female superhero movie that, you know, I've wanted since I was, a little girl, and, you know, women across the world are really excited for. So, there's just so much coming that's exciting, and from both sides, and, you know, we're all winners in that aspect of it, because creatively, there's so many interesting things that could be done and can be done, so...
1: Yeah, definitely I forgot to mention that about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice basically they're gonna have, you know, Batman and Superman, but you know, you also have Wonder Woman, Cyborg, um, Aquaman. There's gonna be it's almost like um you know, I guess you know, like I said, comparing it's like apples and oranges, but it's like similar, like having the Avengers start out in a movie, then everybody's branching out doing their own single movie, like they're doing it in reverse, almost like you know, even though Man of Steel came out first, but then you're introducing everyone in this. Well, I guess not a sequel of Man of Steel, but it's its own movie, but that you know, they're gonna, I'm sure they're gonna, they're gonna acknowledge what happened, but it's it's. You know, I guess you know you're introducing everybody to the heroes in this movie, and then the heroes will branch out and do their own movie. You know, which will be, I'm just interested to see how 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 that take is going to happen. Like, I just want to see how the ending of that movie is going to be, and how everybody's own adventure is going to take place, knowing that you know everyone meets up in that one movie. So, I'm just, I'm just. I'm just I'm just curious of what's gonna happen. That's basically what I'm curious about Man of Steel, and of course, I'm definitely interested in seeing Batman meeting Superman and the Battle of the Icons. So this is it. Knows like, you know, in wrestling, like Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage, or Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. You know, you have two icons are definitely gonna meet in the not an animation form, and you know, in in human form. So this is gonna be really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of DC's ace in the hole. You know, if you've relied, you know, 10, 15 years and you ask the average, you know, movie-going, TV-watching public about what they know about superheroes, the first things out of the average person's mouth are Superman and Batman. Yeah. Spider-Man probably comes in about third. So, DC's got the leg up because it has the itch superheroes, the superheroes that everybody had heard of since they were kids, whether or not they're really into comics. So, you know, DC, in order to play catch-up, is doing all the right things, in my opinion. You know, you do the reverse of what Marvel did. You don't introduce everybody in an individual film, because that would take you years before you got them all together in a movie. So to flip the script and to put them all in one movie together to a varying degree, you know, we don't know what you know, the the size of the roles of Wonder Woman and, um, you know, the various other uh, Aquaman and and so on are going to have in Batman v Superman, but they'll be there and then go off in their own uh, individual movies. I think that that just makes sense to me. I don't know if it'll be done well, but I do think it's the right decision on their part. So, you know, like you said, I'm incredibly curious about this movie. I have reservations, again, like you said, about, Jack Snyder, I think he's an incredible visual filmmaker. I don't necessarily know if he's the best storyteller, but I'm yeah. really praying that he's got a great, great script and that he will stick to that and that will develop these characters well enough.
1: get your events ticket screening, or from the IMAX trailer, or...?
2: Um, no, unfortunately I, I didn't get to see the trailer in IMAX like um, some other people did I, I was working, unfortunately. But, um, but that won't stop me from finding a, a movie theater somewhere that's got to be available on that, the Thursday night, whether it's at midnight, or whatever I can get into.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, um, by chance, are you coming to New York Comic Con, or no, in October? That must be I've never been to the San Diego Comic Con Is it that huge Well it looks huge You know in, in television when they show it It's that huge right You have to camp out Yeah it, it, It's huge
2: it's Huge isn't big enough of a word As to what it's become <laughs> Because it, it's so It's so um, It's so close to LA So at all the studios And everybody can just like bring all of their their top their big guns and their presentations and their actors and everything with them and the you know the convention center can't hold it all anymore so you know now all up and down that area of San Diego is taken over all the restaurants all
1: sure it blows the new york comic-con out the water because we don't get as much news as you guys get in san diego you know but i'm sure it's freaking phenomenal uh so um that's it for today guys i hope you enjoyed the podcast um me and Rachel talking about dc and marvel um rachel is anything you want to plug away any social media If anybody is interested in you or wants to get a hold of you or wants to hear your movie reviews plug away
2: Yeah, um, guys, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, Rachel J. Cushing, and uh, my website is, again, getrealwithrachel.com, real with two e's. I have a Facebook page for that website as well, getrealwithrachelmovie reviews on Facebook. Um, Yeah, and please tweet me or comment on the reviews. I love interacting with people and continuing the discussion because that's what started it for me is talking about all of this and then I just started putting my thoughts down on paper and then onto the internet and you know to have a response and then a discussion about it is what I love the most about the whole thing so you know if you get a chance to check it out and let me know what you think I'd, I'd absolutely love
1: it yeah thank you very much Rachel for being on the show today and I hope everyone was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices have a good night folks